Buying an EMR is a major investment. When considering the purchase of an electronic medical record, how can your practice ensure that you're buying the right product for the right reasons? You're listening to ReachMD on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Business of Medicine. I'm your host, Dr. Larry Kaskill. My guest today is Dr. Robert Lamperts, a board-certified internist and pediatrician and author of a popular blog called Musings of a Distractible Mind. Dr. Lamperts has lectured extensively on the subject of electronic medical records. Dr. Lamperts, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Well, let's start with really what got you into EMR early on. You were a pretty early adopter. What really drove you to do it so soon? Yeah, we adopted in 1996, back in the Stone Age of EMR. A couple of things drove me toward it. The first was just that in my residency program at Indiana, we had a very good electronic medical record. It was one of the first major systems out there for academic settings. And so I was kind of spoiled with all the CPOE. The order entry was already being done back in the early early 90s. And so I was already convinced of, of the way in which uh, computers could really make your practice easier. And then going into private practice, I began to realize that I was running a lot of risks by keeping a paper chart. It was very difficult. Things were lost. I'd have encounters without patient records because they couldn't find the chart. I would spend an awful long time organizing the chart, making grids and flow sheets, and it required an ability for organization, honestly, that I didn't have. And so I was really drawn toward the idea of having a structured format and have the computers doing the work for me as far as organizing. So did you have to convince your partners? I imagine you came out of residency, you didn't start your own practice. I joined one other physician, and fortunately, he was actually a pretty easy sell. He and I looked around at different places. Actually, my brother-in-law is even earlier adopter of EMR than I am. And so my partner actually went to his practice and saw what he was doing and was convinced very quickly that that was the way that we needed to go. We had actually had a case where somebody had in a chest x-ray where finding was missed. And, and it just scared both of us that this kind of thing could come back to haunt us. And we needed some way to make sure that things were organized. And when he saw that, We did the math and really figured that if we could improve our workflow by one extra patient a day, we could get it to pay for itself. So 13 years ago, there weren't that many products available. What did did you end up grabbing? Just an off-the-shelf MetaNotes or something like that? No. Actually, we did a good amount of the research. I went to uh, ACP, American College of Physicians, meeting and got advice there. I talked to my brother-in-law. I talked to a number of vendors and actually, we ended up going with Medicologic, which was the one that was recommended by the American Society of Internal Medicine at that, that point in time. And they recommended that. We looked at the product. It seemed like a solid company. And we went with the product in 96. It was actually one of the more expensive products. But again, we, we looked at our monthly payment and said, how many extra patients a day do we need to get the product to get us seeing, and we realized it was just one extra patient a day per doctor would actually pay our monthly payment. So the the system you use, is it internet-based, or do you have a server in your office? We have a server in our office. We're still basically on the same system that we started out with uh, 13 years ago. Obviously, it's changed a lot since then, but you know, we started out in 96. The internet was kind of 
young and all based on telephone modems. And so there really wasn't any good inter- Internet-based software. And so it was all client-server. And so we had a server in our office and have had a server in our office ever since then. And, you know, with all the products available now, would you advise a physician to do the client server in his office or look at some of the other applications that are over the Internet so that they may not need their own IT department in-house or if they're not computer savvy enough to deal with it when their server goes down? Well, I I think you made the point. I think that it depends on the person, if it is a solo doc or if it is somebody who doesn't feel computer savvy. I think there's no doubt that they should go with an Internet-based product, or at least they should strongly lean in that direction. The availability of extra funds coming may change that a little bit because then we can afford to have better implementation and better IT support. My hope is that the doctor's will look and see this money that's extra money that's going to come to them with the administration's plan to reimburse people for having EMRs and see that not as just a an extra little bit of income, but actually something to invest in the infrastructure of really making the EMR work. Well, let, let's talk a little bit more about that stimulus plan. I'm, I'm a little vague on the, the details of it. How much money is actually going to go to physician and does it go to the practice or does it go to per physician? Let's say there's 20 docs in the group. Are you going to get 20 different checks or are you just getting one check for the whole practice? I know that the check that they are sending, it it is a per doctor check for Medicare associated physicians. And it may not actually even be Medicare physicians, but it is per physician. What I have been told is that it's up to 40,000. In fact, what I've heard actually and read is that beginning in 2011, physicians will get from 44 to $64,000 over five years. And this is actually directly quoted from an article. And those EMR products need to be certified by the Certification Commission for Health Information Technology, also known as CCHIT or CCHIT. And that is a task force, an independent task force made up of entities from EMR manufacturers, independent physicians, government folks, and they're set to define what an EMR is because they don't want physicians just kind of getting any product and just kind of throwing it in there. You can essentially call Microsoft Word that's shared as an EMR product. Well, they don't want that. They want you to have various features of EMR. And I I think that's one of the very first things people need to consider is that these products that they're looking at have to be on that list for them to get anything from the government stimulus plan. If you've just joined us, you're listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill, your host, and our guest today is Dr. Robert Lambert, board-certified internist and pediatrician. We're talking about electronic medical records and perhaps the reasons not to purchase an EMR for your practice. Dr. Lamperts, you've written about this. What kind of reasons do you give for not doing it yet? Well, I would say that you have to go into it understanding what is involved. I view EMR as like going into medical school. You know, you can get accepted into medical school, but then you've got to do all the work to make it worthwhile. And buying an EMR product is just like being accepted into medical school. You have to understand that to make an EMR work well in your practice, you're going to have to integrate that into 
as many workflows that you have in your office as possible. And the better integrated it is, the more it's actually going to be able to improve those workflows to make those things happen better. And so, you know, I think physicians who just kind of feel like, oh, I'm just going to buy an EMR and then it's going to make my practice easier, they're going to fail almost right away because they don't understand that this is much more than buying a product. It's it's buying a tool in which they can totally transform their practice. You know, and that doesn't have to be so disruptive at the start. In fact, a good implementation takes all those things into consideration and allows the process to happen slowly. And without, is in a, in a private practice especially, you have to pay your bills on a monthly basis. You have to financially stay above water. Otherwise, I mean, I think that's the biggest objection physicians have had in the past, that this is such a disruptive technology that it's going to make it so that they can't earn money for a couple of months. Well, that's unacceptable for a physician. And so you have to understand, number one, that it's a big technology and it will take a lot of planning. It'll take a lot of commitment and you have to really believe that it actually needs to be done, not just kind of well, I'm going to buy it because that's kind of what the government's going to pay me to do it. Don't do it because just the government will pay you to do it. Do it because it's an important thing to do that it actually will improve your practice and it actually will improve the quality of medicine and it actually will allow you to see more patients and earn more money, which has been our experience 100%. And if you can see that, then the motivation to go through the difficult times, you know, just like the motivation to work so hard in medical school is going to be there and you're going to be able to get through that stuff so that you can see the success on the other end. Let's talk about the implementation. You know, the salespeople will say, oh, you know what, this will take you six weeks, you'll be ready to go. And what's the reality? How long should it take? How much planning should go into before you start, and do you need a physician that's totally dedicated to the project, or can an office manager do it? Give me some pearls. My experience is that it cannot be something that is initiated without significant physician involvement, because this is a clinical transformation tool. The idea of of EMR is the medical record itself. It's what the doctor interacts with. It's not something that the office manager needs to go into too often. And so anything that is imposed on physicians by an outside source, they're going to look at it as a negative thing right away. So it has to be something that there is a, at least a physician who is involved and willing to, who, who really does believe in, in the whole process and feels like it's a good thing to do. The physician champion, if you will. Yeah, physician champion. But, you know, in a large group, there's always going to be a doc or two that's going to push back either because they're scared of anything new or they're old and they're, you know, they're totally digitally compromised. <laughs> yes, and we've had, we've had those experiences in our practice as well. It's not something that you're going to see adoption and equal acceptance on all levels. And that's why you need somebody who is willing to go through it and show, it's almost like having a beta test site to some extent, having somebody who's willing to do things. And let me back up. Implementation, in my view, is an ongoing process. You know, you start out, you can buy the product and install it. There's installation. 
And that's a lot of times what an EMR vendor is talking about. Well, we can get this installed and have your charts electronic by six weeks. Well, what they mean is that what you are doing on paper can be transferred to something on a computer system within six weeks. What they're not saying is the processes of bringing a patient back, of implementing an orders module, of getting labs to come in, and ways to answer those lab results, ways to address those and, and send a letter to the patients or communicate with the patients. The medical workflow is incredibly complex, and, and it's not until you try and re-engineer that workflow that you realize how many little factors go into the day-to-day management of all your patients. And so the implementation in our experience is an ongoing process. Whether it's bringing on a new portion of the program, we are about to implement a internet portal where patients will be able to request refills online. They're going to be able to request appointments. They're going to be able to fill out new patient information. They're going to be able to even fill out their review systems and correct their medications before they come into the office, which is all fine. But before we implement that, we have to make sure we understand the consequences of them doing that and make sure that that information, that we know where that information will go, who's going to handle that information when it comes in. And we've learned the hard way that just throwing something out there without a plan of how to deal with it can oftentimes, that's probably the most disruptive thing of all. And that's where, again, you need a clinician, physician hopefully, who understands the implications of adding each one of these things. And, you know, we've brought the nurses in as well uh, and have an IT team that involves myself, our nurse manager, our front office manager, you know, where they check in people and schedule appointments and do all those things. And we actually have a full-time IT person, which we've only had for the past couple of years. And that's a a luxury that, that is wonderful to have, but it's only because we've been able to implement as successfully as we have. But that process of bringing people in is one of understanding how it impacts each of those areas, and you have to have somebody in those areas who is willing to think it through and see how it can be advantageous for them to do that. Well, on that note, Dr. Robert Lamperts, thank you very much for coming on the show. Well, I'm glad I could be on. My guest was Dr. Robert Lambert, board-certified internist and pediatrician and author of the popular blog, Musings of a Distractible Mind. I'm Dr. Larry Kaskill. You've been listening to The Business of Medicine on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD online, on demand, and on air. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, and thanks for listening.